Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Welcome back to Bring on the Weird. You're Elijah. Yes, sir. You're Will. Yep, that's me. And this episode is the one right after the Patreon exclusive. And I guess yeah. we owe Wanda another shout out because she upped her tier. She went from the $1 to the $5 because she doesn't want to miss an episode. That's right. Now, who can blame her? I can't. Uh, this is gold we're giving these people. I think so. <laughs> Pure gold. But after after this one, it's going to be tainted coal. It's going to be what? Tainted coal. I thought you said painted coal. <laughs> yep, painted coal. So when you take that coal, you throw it into the fire, whether it's uh, briquettes or into your your heating system, it makes a flame that color that you paint it. I don't think people use coal for a heating system. <laughs> oh, yeah, they do. I don't think so. Sure they do. It's, didn't it? Wasn't it making a resurgence at one point? Coal? Coal, coal power plants, anyhow. I... I don't know. It wasn't a major resurgence, but I thought something coming back somehow. No? I don't know. I mean, I guess they can get it if the Earth's flat. They can still mine down, right? Yeah. I don't see why not. It's pretty it's thick, not, I guess. It's a it's thick not, pancake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a thick pancake. It's like a it's like a cylinder, but like a, with a dome. Oh, like a Belgian waffle because <laughs> they're really thick, you know? But it's got all the, you know, waffles are just pancakes with abs. Look, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. I don't like pancakes, and I love waffles. It's the same thing. It's not. Pancakes are too mushy. Waffles, they got a little crisp to them. I like a little crisp. I mean, you had... Maybe, maybe if you burn my pancakes, I'd like them. No, what you need to do is, well, it's, it wouldn't work with fresh ones, but if you take, if you have leftover pancakes when they've been sitting out a while, cool down, throw them in the toaster, you get a little crisp. I'll give that a go. Yeah. See, that's the leftovers you can have for breakfast. If you have breakfast for dinner, then you can have dinner for breakfast. I love breakfast for dinner. I love breakfast food, period. <laughs> so I can eat it for breakfast. I could eat it for lunch. I could eat it for dinner. I could eat it for a midnight snack. <laughs> pancakes all day. Not pancakes. <laughs> waffles all day. Eggs. Bacon. bacon. I just A bacon and egg waffle sandwich. You know what my wife and I do? We make bagel sandwiches with its... Egg, cheese, bacon, and then we put cream cheese on the bagel, too. Whoa. Oh, it's so good. It's the best, man. You got to try it. Crazy maniacs. <laughs> you got to try it. It's so good. <laughs> We're not here talking about bagels and waffles and bacon. We're talking about this giant pancake we live on. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Big old pancake. But it's not... I heard... And one of the things that I was doing research on 
for some reason they had to clarify the fact that it's not like it's all the land is flat because we've got mountains and all that and hills and all the different terrain. Mm -hmm. It's that the earth is not a sphere. Right. So that's what the flat earthers say. I got to be honest with you. It's kind of intriguing. It's very intriguing. I'm not on board yet, to be honest. I'm going to maintain that. I mean, so they say that we basically just have to take NASA's word for it, science's word for it, because we don't have a way to physically see the The globe. Right. And everything that they've said, I guess you can only take so much of what they say to heart. I haven't looked into this myself, and I, I would like for it to actually come to fruition, but they said all the pictures that we have of a circular Earth, a, a globe Earth, they're all composite pictures. They don't they don't show the video long enough from the ISS to show the curvature of the Earth. Right. And you can't see it from the plane. <clears throat> you got to go way, way, way up to see the curvature of the Earth. Yeah. How high was it? It was it was some crazy number I heard. It's like 180,000 feet or something like that. Yeah, I think so. It, it, yeah, it's something. Real high, and that shocked me. I didn't think you had to be that high. No. How high did uh, what's his name go up? The Red Bull guy, the Felix Baumgartner. That was they actually really, really doctored that. Who did? <clears throat> like, well, they made it look like for one that he was jumping out of like a space capsule, but it was suspended by a balloon. Uh, they used a very wide angle lens, so it looked like he was higher. It looked like you could see the curve of the Earth. Oh. Uh. So it was it was uh Hollywooded up a little bit. Yeah. Uh this says a hundred and twenty eight thousand one hundred feet in a helium filled balloon. Yeah. But the, they made it look like he was jumping out of a space capsule, like it was om- almost like it was orbiting around Earth. Oh. You know, did I mean did yeah. you see it? You, like I think I saw clips of it, but I wasn't I don't know. I'm like, okay, cool, guy did this. I didn't watch the entire thing. Isn't it a long time? It, the whole video was them going, rising all the way up, and then him doing whatever, then dropping back down. Yeah, I, I didn't watch it live either. I just saw, like, him jump, or not jump, he just kind of fell out. And then I think he kind of, like, lost control. He passed out partway down or something. Yeah, moving at that kind of speed would probably I mean, cause What is it? Is that, that's like 20 miles up, 40 miles uh, up, something like 128, that? 128,000, something like that. I don't know if it was 20 or 40. It was 24. Some... 24 and a quarter. Oh, okay. 128,100 feet is 24.26 miles and some change. So how like how fast do you think he was going? Fast? <laughs> I mean, you got to be moving, right? Yeah. I don't know does if he, he would he move gradually fast speed up or would he eventually max out? How does that how does that work? Cuz isn't it like 9.8 meters per second squared or something? Uh I really don't know. I don't know. No, yeah, 9.8 meters per second, the acceleration of gravity. So you're, you're just going to speed up constantly. Yeah. yeah I, but he had a parachute, so. Well, yeah. So eventually he's going to slow back down. But I don't know if he fell long enough and far enough to generate heat. You think he did? I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's why we weren't part of his team. Yeah, because we don't. <laughs> so, yeah, you you fall faster as you go, as you fall longer. So in one second, you've traveled 9.8 meters. In two seconds, you will travel 19.6. And in five seconds, 49 meters per second is how 
faster. Yeah, it's pretty damn fast. You, you get get to moving pretty damn fast. Yeah, but according to flat earthers, it was all crap. I don't think they believe that that was fake because they they believe so. There's like there's two different factions. Okay. Ones that believe it's a dome, and others believe that there is no dome, but the Earth is still flat. But the domers, I think that's what they call themselves. I hope that's not domers. derogatory. The domers, <laughs> um, I I believe they say the dome is about 200 miles high. 200 miles. So I, I believe so. Baumgartner was at 24 miles. Yeah. So there's still so wherever the dome is, it's still it's still encapsulating some non-atmosphere, non-Earth atmosphere. Well, I mean, you're you're still thinking like a glober. <laughs> there, I mean, the whole dome might contain atmosphere, so it yeah. really it could be 200 miles of atmosphere. Mark Sargent, he's like um, one of the lead flat earthers. Yeah. He was saying in his what was that? The twelve clues or something like that? Yeah. No. <clears throat> so twelve flat earth clues. Yeah. Or just flat earth clues. So he was saying that um, whoever designed it, because he said it's not us. Like we didn't build it. They designed it to where it makes it almost impossible to get to the dome. So they made the atmosphere thin out and get colder the higher up you go. So it makes it more difficult for humans to get to the top. Okay. They made the ocean salt water because, uh, I mean, obviously it'd be a lot easier to travel if you could drink what you're sailing on. <laughs> but we can't drink salt water. Right. Then they made it to where the ocean gets colder and starts to freeze. So you have to blast through ice to even get to the edge, which they say w even when you get to Antarctica, there still could be hundreds hundreds of miles to go before the dome before you get to the edge ah so basically it's designed to kind of keep us contained in our little almost like a a snow globe yeah but almost like a little pangea like I, you saw the map right mm -hmm. i mean it's not pangea but it, we're all kind of grouped in the center oh. oh yeah 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 i know what you're talking about like the the un symbol yeah so basically the they designed it to keep us all in that sort of area and make it hard for us to get to the edge and make it hard for us to get to the top. So then we just kind of give up. And one of the one of the things he also said was, think of it like this. <clears throat> you put a mouse in a cardboard box, right? Yeah. It's going to keep scratching, keep trying to figure out how to get out. All right. He might give up, but then he's going to go right back to it. He's going to keep trying to figure out a way out. But you take that same mouse and put it in a wildlife preserve, much bigger border, much bigger perimeter. He might get to the end. All he might freedom. get to the edge, and then he, he's just going to say, ah, oh, well, turn around and go back into the vast nature preserve. <laughs> so they're saying that's kind of like us. Uh, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's so massive <laughs> that we're kind of content where we are. Right. What the hell do you want to go to Antarctica for? It's so cold. Nobody wants to go there. Yeah, right now in my life, I have no desire to go to Antarctica. None. Do you have a desire to go to Antarctica? You know, a slight, a slight desire. <laughs> you check it out? So you would take a cruise that would last for weeks and weeks to go down there. Or would you would you ride an airplane all the way down to nah. the south, southern tip of South America? Who's lower, South America or Africa? I think it's South America. Pretty sure it's South America. 
Well, it probably depends on which map you're looking at. <laughs> Who's closer to Antarctica? I really don't know. I I think it's Africa. No, I don't think so. Hang All on, right, well, up a world map. what are you having to drink? Oh tonight? yeah, my God, South America by a lot, dude. <laughs> yeah, by a lot. Brazil goes down further than Africa, uh, according to that map that you're looking at. There, according to that map, yeah. So does that mean maybe I'm still thinking like a glober? But does that mean then the southern edge of South America is cold because getting closer to the to the cold? <laughs> well, I would say it's colder. It's probably not much different than like our northeast area. That makes sense. When, I mean, wouldn't you think? Because it's probably it's got to be close to the same distance away from the equator as like Maine is. Thinking like a glober man. I know. <laughs> Why you debate on that? Tell me what you're drinking. I'm having a no-brainer by Victory. Hey, all right. What about you? Well, I did have just peach Jim Beam in my tea, but then my wife convinced me to put in some peach schnapps, too. Wow. <laughs> Just trying to get you drunk. Uh, I think so. <laughs> Friday at work is going to be interesting. <laughs> so what are you? Are you a Gloober or a Flat Earther? Jury's still out? <laughs> yeah, man. It's it's really interesting. It is very interesting. Like uh, the all the flight patterns. Did you see anything about flight patterns? Yeah, which is super weird because different ones say that there are flights from the places that they said before didn't have flights to. Like you couldn't get a direct flight from I don't know Australia to Africa or Australia to South America. Yeah, it's and then like. So you you have these, like, layovers, you know, all the stops. Yeah. And they don't make any sense. Why? Like, huh? Why not? Because the layovers, they have you going north and south and then east, back west. Like, there there's some crazy layovers. But then when you lay that out on a flat earth map, it's a freaking straight shot, dude. <laughs> they're literally just landing en route to where they're going. I don't know how to take that. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that's that's not going to work on on all, you know, all flight paths. Right. But the ones, yeah, some of them are, they're, they're really strange. I wonder, I don't know. I guess I could speculate on anything. But on Globe Earth, from doing that kind of flight pattern, it just seems like maybe they are going with the, the weather pattern. What do you mean, trying to avoid bad weather? Oh, uh. They know where they want to go, and they always go in the same direction. I don't know if they avoid bad weather or if they just – they know what the plane is capable of, so they either fly directly into the wind and not at a crosswind, or they fly with the wind. So from east coast to west coast, you fly with the wind. So it's faster to get to the west coast. Coming back, you got to fight it coming back, right? That's how it goes? The opposite. The opposite. The opposite. Right. Doesn't the wind typically come from oh, yeah. west to east? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so flying right. out to the west coast. It would take longer because they had to fly into the wind. Coming back, it takes it's shorter because they're flying with the wind. <clears throat> but So could the flight patterns be as they are so as to not fly in a crosswind? That's entirely possible. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not a pilot. I'm sure there's a reason for them. There's got to be a reason for it, right? It can't be that the Earth is flat, right? <laughs> you wouldn't think so, but cut it. I I There's really a, don't know, man. 
there's a whole lot that flat earthers can and do say that it works for anything works for anything yeah like um there's some lake i forget what lake it is but you can look across this lake the and frozen see, lake what is it it the frozen lake that they were on is that the one you're talking about they shined a flashlight or something across it no this is you can look across it and you can see the chicago skyline but the i believe it's 56 miles away and you shouldn't be able to see it <clears throat> because of the curvature of the earth at that distance it should be down below the curve you shouldn't be able to see it but you can only at 50 miles though yeah i believe it's 50 56 miles something like that it drops a certain amount they have a a formula for it that 8 miles per or 8 inches per mile squared yeah i don't know about that formula man <laughs> i don't is it their formula i don't know who come up with that formula but i that one seems goofy you'd think if that issue was you could see if the curvature of the earth happened at 50 some miles or it's supposed to happen at 50 some mm. miles with that formula you should definitely be able to see the curve of the Earth, if you're up in a plane, what, 10,000, 14,000 feet up? You should be able to see that distance. I think like 30,000. Don't they fly at like 30,000 feet? Yeah, maybe they do because Mile High Club. <laughs> yeah, so. 30,000, 38,000. Yeah, you should be able to see all that distance. But I don't think their formula is right. With all that distance you can see, with all that landscape you can see from that high up, you should definitely see the curvature of the Earth. But other scientists say... That's nowhere near high enough to see the curvature of the, of the Earth from a standard commercial airline. I don't know if you would see the curvature of the Earth with that formula. You're because what it's doing is showing you that it's dropping down in front of you. Right. You're not seeing out to the sides. You know what I'm saying? So when uh, you're up in an airplane, you are seeing the horizon, yeah. but you're not you're, seeing the curve. Because you're way, 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 way up. Right. So you do, do so you understand you have, what I'm? Yeah, you have a you have a much higher vantage point. Yeah, so you're you're not seeing things drop down below the horizon. You're literally seeing as far as you can see. Period. Yeah. So if something was going away from you at that point, and it did go beyond the curve at your equal height, right? Then it then, should drop down beyond the curve at forty thousand feet. Right. That I mean, that's the way I'm thinking. Yeah, that makes sense. Does it? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, another thing that is sort of along those lines. So you know the the old thing, like you can see a boat and then it kind of slowly starts to disappear from the bottom up. Uh huh. They say that's just due to our vision. The limit, flat limit, limit. Yeah, limitations in our vision. Period. Because they've tested it, and when you can no longer see that ship, you can zoom in on that ship. Boom, right back again. Huh. So they're saying that there's limitations in our vision that make us think it's disappearing uh, beyond the curve, and it's really not. It's just... It's all flat, but our our eyes suck. Yeah, I mean, think of it like it slowly it starts to shrink, 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 shrink the further it gets from you, and to, eventually it's got to be poof, gone, right? Yeah, the vanishing point. Yeah. So they're basically saying that's that. That's why to, it looks like it's disappearing because it's a vanishing point. Yeah. And all you have to do is zoom in. Get a telescope, strong binoculars. Yeah, and it'll pop right back up, all of it. So instead of disappearing over the curve, 
it's still there. I haven't tested this. No. I've seen YouTube videos of it being tested. Right. It comes back. It really does come back. It, it's gone. And then you zoom in. There it is. I wonder if you could take even a, a telescope. Well, I guess you could take binoculars, but what happens if you use an actual telescope, something that you're supposed to be able to look at the celestial bodies with? Look at Saturn. Can you see you are at sea level and you're watching something sail out to sea and you use a telescope? Can you watch it for a long, 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 long time? Or will the atmosphere get in the way then? Allegedly, the atmosphere gets in the way. Because so, the atmosphere is thick. Yeah, so Mark Sargent, again, he, he describes it as like a thin water, the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, like down underwater, eventually light can't penetrate. Right. So he's saying this is sort of a thin version of that to where eventually we can't even see. That's why they say you can't see Mount Everest. From here. <laughs> right. It sounds like good science. It's a good explanation. It sounds like an explanation. <laughs> right. I don't know if it sounds like a good one or not. I mean, th- this Mark Sargent guy, he's very quick. He can, you know, they throw a question at him and boom, he's right on top of it and can explain it to benefit Flat Earth. Yeah. He is really good at that. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would really like, and I don't know why they haven't done it, now, he claims that there was going to be um, uh, a physicist uh, of some sort. I don't know if it's an astrophysicist or just a regular everyday physicist, but he was supposed to do the video and answer the questions or ask the physicist questions, but then the physicist never got back to him, supposedly. Now, I don't know if they're just putting that on, but I would really, really like – I'm a fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson. I like him a lot. I would really, really like – Mark Sargent and Neil deGrasse Tyson to be in the same room. <clears throat> they won't do it. Neil deGrasse Tyson won't do it. Because they, they've already tried. With n- below with him? him? He says, I think it, this might be a quote, but it's something like, ha, that's never going to happen. Why not? Do you know the people he gets on the show, the Star Talk Radio? That, I think it would, that would be a, one hell of a debate. If they gave Mark Sargent a chance to come on and use his story. But, I'm not the biggest fan of Mark Sargent myself and even flat earthers in general. I mean, maybe there's some good people, but man, I, I just feel like Mark Sargent and some of the other flat earth people, they're hostile. I don't see it so much with Mark Sargent, but I do see it with the others. They're angry. But I did see, I listened to a couple interviews and, um, he was debating some guy from MUFON who was a scientist and another guy who was a scientist, and they openly attacked Mark Sargent. Like, bas- they were calling him an idiot. Like, they, it was supposed to be a debate, and they just mocked him, belittled him, and he stayed composed and was just like, look, I don't, I don't know how to do this. That's not necessary. Everybody has their side of the argument, I think. So why not just debate it like adults? Don't fight everybody. Don't be hostile about it. Answer the question. Okay, well, you you're saying this this is the science, and I'm saying this is the science. We're looking for this conclusion. Let's go do it. Why can't it well, be that simple? So flat earthers believe NASA was made to prevent us from knowing about the dome to <laughs> propagate uh, globe Earth. Yeah. Round so Earth. to make it seem like they're going, we're going to space. We're really not. This and that. So 
my guess would be he thinks scientists in general are in on it, are in on the whole keep it hidden from us. So he just doesn't want to hear it. The scientists. Mark Sarton doesn't want to hear from the scientists. No, he'll debate them. But so they can they can throw all this stuff at them. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, it, it, telling them all these science facts and whatever. But he's going to say, well, how do I like I can't see this. So right. Ba- basically, it's if I if I can't see this and I'm just being told this, how do I know it's the truth? And I got to kind of agree with him. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with that. We don't so, know. We we've never seen it. Right. Ourselves. So we've the seen pictures videos. that are coming back from the ISS and guys, you know, who went to the moon, quote unquote, possibly, allegedly, whatever. There's no real. They're all just composite pictures. And I guess he has a good point. And why would they um, live telecast the moon landing with all the possibilities of it going horribly wrong? Why would they? Put it on live television for the world to see. Right. That's a good argument, or it's an argument, like you said. The stars thing, you know, we can't see the stars in any of the space pictures. Well, it's because they're, I'm pretty sure this is right. They're they're kind of, they're just blown out. There's so much light coming from whatever source you're taking a picture of, the stars are just blown out. Yeah, like light pollution. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we said said that in our... Moon landing episode that the moon is so reflective, right? That it's light pollution. So I can understand why we don't see stars in those pictures. Right, exactly. Did you see the thing about, or did you hear the thing about the um, the cold moonlight? Yeah, that's yeah, nuts. I put it in my phone. I wanted to make. That's really weird. That blows my mind. I don't. I gotta test it. Is it is that a flat Earth thing or is that a well? I think his argument is, okay, so everybody has been taught that the sun is shining the light on the moon, and the moon is just reflecting that light onto the earth. And that's right. how we get moonlight in the phases of the moon, depending on how it's um, seen from parts of the earth. Mm-hmm. Like our full moon wouldn't be the full moon in California or whatever. Right. But if it's a reflection of the sun's light, why is moonlight colder than it is in the shade of the moonlight? Like if you put the thermometer, you test the, the temperature behind a tree, uh, the shade in the tree of the moonlight, it's going to be warmer than it is in the light of the moon. Yeah, I think I saw it can vary by up to like 13 degrees or something like yeah. that on a full moon. During a full moon, 13 degrees difference. That's a huge difference. Right, in the moonlight versus the actual darkness next right. to you. Yeah. You that would be you could physically feel that. You take your hand away from the tree light, you could feel a 13 degree difference. Or yeah, not the just, tree light, the moonlight into the shade of the tree. And the shade of the tree is warmer, physically warmer. There's got to be a scientific explanation, right? It's some sort of weird thermodynamics something. There was one video that I saw that the guy explained it. Um it's – I want to try to find it. This – the heat cannot be – heat radiated to the dark sky. Then, I don't know. I'll have to find it or something. Well – You want to take a break and then find it and then come yeah, back with it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, let's do that. All right. Welcome back. Thanks for coming back. Are you back? 
I'm back. I almost fell off the edge. Oh, went all the way down there, did you? During yeah. that little break. Yeah. So moonlight. It's it's not that the moonlight is colder. It's that the temperature is being taken in an open space. Do you can do you understand that? Yeah, I I get what Mr. Dave's saying. <laughs> what I don't get though is he says the item or whatever that's causing the shade is trapping yeah. heat. Well, it's it's not. I guess it's semi-trapping heat. It's just not allowing the heat to go up into the atmosphere as quickly as an open so, space. So what if you're standing in an elongated shadow of a tree? The heat that would be wherever the branches are. Like if I'm standing way out here, yeah. 30 feet away from the tree because the shadow is elongated, and I'm standing up at like where the branches are, that heat can dissipate easily, straight up, gone. Right. Well, so I, guess, that... I guess we should test it. We need to get ourselves a little laser laser thermometer. Yeah, I can't go outside in the dark. I'm still <laughs> scared from October. Shadow people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is this is wild because we're we've talked about simulation hypothesis. We talked about all the different cryptids and the urban legends and all that. And we were almost on board for all that stuff, but now we're like flat Earth bullshit. At least I am. I don't know if I'm calling bullshit. <laughs> it just kind of. I'm like, what if I'm on board with all that other stuff? Why can't I be on board with flat Earth too? I just want to see. I, I want less hostility in it because it seems like everybody's all pissed off. No, my science is right. No, my science is right. I'm just going to drop this microphone here. No, whatever. Your microphone doesn't work because we're actually traveling upwards at 9.8 meters per second. We're on the back of a turtle. Blah blah blah. Guys, settle down. Let's actually do the experiments. I mean, All isn't that science period, though? Doing the experiments? I mean, just hostility between string theory and this theory and that theory, like... I guess. I mean, there's there's bickering, period. True. I wish there was less of it, though. Can't we all just get along? Don't get mad at each other. <laughs> Mark Sargent thinks that if it was proved that we live under a dome, we would all get along. Is that what he wants? Well, he says because then we would a hundred percent know for sure that something created this and there's a very good possibility we're being watched. And he said if you knew you were being watched, are you really gonna steal that thing from your neighbor? Are you really gonna go out and kill somebody? If you know for sure there's a greater being. So in the flat earth we've got the dome that we can't get to, we can't penetrate. We've got the ice wall that we can't get to, we can't get over. Or can we? We can. I think we just so if all that stuff is proven, that proves some thing greater has constructed this. That's 100 percent proof that something else is out there. Right. That would prove something else is out there if we can prove flat Earth 100 percent. Right. Because then this would be some kind of megastructure compared to us anyway. Yeah. Like the Truman Show. Yeah, exactly. He just cruised out through the water, and all of a sudden he could stand on the edge of the water. <laughs> and there yeah. was a door. <laughs> and if that damn Sirius didn't fall out of the sky, he would have never known. Nope. So I do have to, I got to mention this. All right. My sister, she was outside one, one night. All right. She's looking out, just looking at the sky, and she says a star bloop, just dropped, gone. Just just dropped. Yeah, and it was gone. It seems fishy. I mean, she's either losing her mind. Possible. Or 
It was yeah. a malfunction of the, one of the lights. It fell. <laughs> the sky's falling. The sky is falling. <laughs> hey, I don't know, Chicken Little. It might be. <laughs> but another explanation for that, if it looked like it dropped straight down, couldn't that have been a meteor of some sort? It was there and then dropped. That's crazy. UFO, maybe. It could have been a UFO. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if the Earth's flat, it probably it wasn't dropped. a UFO. It just dropped out of sight. Well, yeah, if the Earth is flat. If we're in a dome. It's a big-ass dome. Well, how about this? If it's a dome and where we are, where our land masses are, we can't travel up to the edge of the dome from where our land masses are. But what if we traveled further out to the ice wall and set up something to rocket out from there and aimed it towards the ice wall? Doesn't the the dome then terminate out there? Yeah, that's a good well, point. Why can't we go out there? Well, it would be really difficult, for one, because we're all kind of grouped up in the middle. Yeah. So then the further you go to the edge, I mean, I guess you could go to, like, the southern tip of South America and try to launch that way. Why not? Well, if it's 200 miles high, I mean, how much lower is it going to be at that point? You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you talking about... Not launching it up, but launching it towards, like, the wall. South. The... Yeah, out, south or out, toward to cruise over, directly over this Antarctica, whether that means the South Pole or if that means over the ice wall. There is no wall... South Pole. <laughs> Would you want to do that, though? If we're talking Honestly, flat Earth. So think about it. We are in a dome. Let's say that. We're All right. Let's do it. You launch a rocket at the dome. What if you put a hole in a damn thing? Then what? What's on the other side? You have no idea. Then we know. We could be in a planetarium right now. Everything is just projected on the ceiling. On the outside, it could be water. You puncture that dome, and we all die. All of us. If there's water on the other side, yeah. If, <laughs> I mean, if we're just in like a like underwater little thing. It's true. Yeah. It's like so, putting a hole in a submarine. <laughs> you don't you don't want to open the screen door in a submarine. No, I don't think so. <laughs> we don't want to put a screen door in a submarine. I don't know how that joke goes. I don't know, but either way, you don't want to do that. No, no, you don't. I guess not. I mean, would we want to risk that? Come on. <clears throat> if it's a... <laughs> I'm not taking that if, risk. If Globe Earth had to have had somebody fly over dead South Pole. Yeah? Why not? We've had to have done it by now. I don't think. I don't think so. Why not? Because planes aren't allowed to fly directly over the poles. Stop it. They're, we can go. I'm people telling go you down that. To, people go to, South, uh, go to Antarctica all the time. Yeah, but they're not well, allowed to traverse all the way around flying over the poles. Why? I don't know. We're not even allowed in Antarctica past a certain point, for one. So you can get to the edge and be like, oh, cool, penguins, and then just not go any further? You can get. You can go so far, and then there's a barrier. So if there wasn't something there, honestly, if there wasn't something in Antarctica, why would this Antarctica treaty be so strong? There's resources there. You're telling me right now America isn't saying, F this treaty, we're going to go get resources, but they're not. Why? We're America. That's a very good question. If there's resources there, we would go there. We would. You're, you're right. Why is there such a strong treaty? Is it just – is it just – for science purposes, and or I so think they say military. 
I think I heard that this is the only ever unbroken treaty. That's what somebody said. So I don't I don't have proof of that. I didn't look it up and verify, but I did hear that this is the only unbroken treaty. In the entire so there's multiple countries involved in the Antarctica Treaty. Antarctic Treaty System. The treaty was the first arms control agreement established during Cold War. So post World War Two Barely when, right. Nineteen fifty nine. So December first, nineteen fifty nine. So that was that was Hard into the Cold War, and that was when we were getting – that's Operation Paperclip. That's when we were super getting into rocketry, mm-hmm. and that's around the time NASA was established. So Okay, so think think of think of this. All right. Operation Paperclip, mm-hmm. we got all the German scientists. The Nazis allegedly went to Antarctica first, right? Yeah. We get all these German scientists – and then next thing you know, we're sending Admiral Byrd down there with all kinds of military personnel. Why? That because the Nazis told him something. They told him something is going on down there. Why would they send – if it was an expedition, just an exploring expedition, why do you need all the troops? Something's going on down there. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's the edge of the dome. And they got protected. Or – Think about this. Oh, here we go. So I saw where it's not – a ring of ice around a flat earth. Okay. We're basically in a lake. You get to Antarctica, you keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, boom, you hit another lake. Same shit. It's like a like another like a parallel universe. <laughs> Just wrapped on the other side. Yeah, it, so it's a massive massive sheet of ice with just these little holes in it where all these lakes are, where all these little Pangea of continents like ours are. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so it's like we're, uh, like we're living in our world. You get to Antarctica, you get up on the ice wall, and you walk thousands, who knows how many miles. And then all of a sudden you come to more water. You're like, what the hell is that? It's another dimension. Or <laughs> not really another dimension, but you you know what I mean? Like it's another Earth. That would be freaking crazy. Maybe aliens come from there. So the only – the only way to get there is through Antarctica? Yeah, but Antarctica might not be a thing. We might be – that just might be the ice wall. Oh, the ice wall between other lake areas. Exactly, yeah. So it's a giant sheet of ice. It's, okay. And in it, there's all these holes, like ice fishermen were there, all these holes. And in each hole, there's another lake with more continents. That's I can picture theory. it in my head. I don't know yeah. if I'm explaining it very well. It's like a big-ass grid. If you got way, 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 way out far enough, you'd see this big-ass massive grid of spherical – not spherical, circular. Yeah, not spherical. <laughs> circular lake areas with these – compared to us, they are massive areas with massive land masses in them. Yeah. <laughs> That's maybe, theory. maybe in one of those lakes – the be the beings that live there are far more advanced than us, and they can actually fly over to ours. And that's what aliens are. So they're checking out the other the other parts. Maybe L- looking for looking for the answers. Oh my maybe. god! Oh my god! So maybe there is no dome. Just all these open areas. It, maybe it's just open. Maybe there is no space. But 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 but. <laughs> <laughs> this is. Honestly, this is like when I really start thinking about things like this, 
my head explodes. Because, like, I don't know if I ever told you, but I was thinking one day, what if our universe is just a cell on a larger living being? Our entire universe. The whole yeah, thing. Yeah, just, just a cell. I mean, look at the shape of it. That What they can see. It's, like, cell shape. Like, th- so that's the kind of weird things that I think about. And then I think, maybe? <laughs> Who's to say it's not? Because we can only see so tiny, but then we can also only see so big when we look out there. Yeah, like, l- look at amoebas or whatever. They don't even know this world exists. They're in their own little world. Exactly. What if when you look, we, we're the same thing. You look at the tiny, tiny things of of the world, like little fruit flies or even ants. They're so tiny, they're smaller than your finger. But then we're we're these massive, massive beasts to them, or mm-hmm. some something else that they're just sharing the same world with. Why I mean, can't there be something even bigger than us? Right. Just think. Just think of your own cells. You know what I mean? Like there's a there's a little world going on in the cell. Like that that's a like there's a little there's shit going on there. Right. That we have that we don't have complete control over. And that the stuff in that cell can't look at me and be like, hey, what's this guy doing? Because it doesn't perceive that. <laughs> so what if we are the literally the same thing on a far far larger being? But you're talking universal. You're not talking Earth. Yeah, I'm saying the the universe is so. I know we're off of flat Earth for a second, <laughs> but what if the universe was a cell? Yeah. What what if it was that? I mean, what can we do but besides just live our life out like we are? Yeah, I mean, we'll never find out. No, not something like that. How would we? We It's already total darkness out there, so maybe we're a cell living on the edge of the massive being's eyeball, and yes. it's just. And it's just a void out there, a dark void with all this other crazy stuff floating around, all these galaxies and lights and these massive nuclear fusion stars. That's what we've called them. But it's just all this other crazy stuff living in the massive being's eye hole. Yeah, and what if we are some sort of virus? We're such a tiny, tiny virus compared to this massive beast, unless we're not. I mean, what if – I don't know, man. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know that. I mean, that's how you, my mind gets going like that. You can go down that and hole then, if you want. And then I start thinking all that weird thing. Like, yeah, I get, I get, I get nuts. <laughs> and then you don't sleep at night. I mean, I can sleep after something like that. Shadow people, not so much. But <laughs> thinking that I'm living in a cell of a far larger being, I'm so cool you, with. You, you go so far down that rabbit hole, and then you're like, meh, I'm still gonna live for the next sixty, seventy years. Seventy. Hey, why not? Well, thank you. <laughs> That's Earth years. You still got lots of time. Giants not going anywhere. It's fine. Unless, Unless we're coming to so a head. Bad. And then the beast is like, what is that? Skin cancer? And then <laughs> biopsies us off <laughs> and ends it. And then everything starts to die. All the lights start going out. Just gone. Boom. We start seeing a bunch of lights go out in the, in the night sky. We got a problem. But we can't do anything about it. Nope. nope. But they're just projections pr- projections on the dome anyway. Yeah, it's a big-ass planetarium. Did you know they think that the sun is only 33 miles wide? 
I was just going to say something like that, because when you see the sun rays coming through a cloud, it looks like they're all coming from one point. Like crepuscular a, rays. Would you call me? <laughs> what are they? Crepuscular rays? The the God's rays or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what they're <laughs> called, but I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, crepus- crepuscular rays. You should get that looked at. Yeah. It doesn't sound very good. It doesn't sound healthy. It sounds infected. Corpuscular. It's like C-R-A or C-R-U. Corpuscular? Ray. Is it corpuscular? Crepuscular. C-R-E-P. Well, I got the C-R part. <laughs> <clears throat> Crepuscular rays, shafts of light which are seen just after the sun is set and which extend over the western sky radiating from the position of the sun below the horizon. They form only when the sun has set behind an irregular-shaped cloud or mountain which lets the rays of the sun pass through a cloud in bands. The radiant appearance of the bands is caused by perspective, as demonstrated by the fact that when, on rare occasions, the rays extend across the entire sky, they appear to converge again on the eastern horizon. The name is sometimes applied to shafts of sunlight seen when the sun shines through the cumulus clouds, but the, uh, the der- why am I having trouble with this word? Derivation? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Derivation of the word from the Latin crepusculum, twilight, indicates that it most accurately applied only to the after-sunset occurrence. Derivation? Doesn't seem right. But anyway, that's that explanation. But flat earthers believe it's because the sun is so close to um, the land, I guess. Yeah. And I I saw this. It, God, it's got to be years ago now. It was a, a video on YouTube. I don't think it was a flat earth video. Yeah, I said years ago and flat earth because <laughs> I've, I've looked into it several times because it just, it's really intriguing. Um, there was, it showed the sun out the window of an airplane. Okay. Dude, there were clouds behind the damn sun in this video. What? What, yeah. What would cause that? I can't think of anything. There's got to be a scientific explanation, right? There has to be. The earth can't be flat, right? <laughs> the sun can't be only 33 miles wide. That's not what we're told. Escaping the rabbit hole. How to debunk conspiracy theory. Oh, that, that's an ad. Sometimes clouds appear to be behind the sun or the moon in photos and videos like the example above. This confuses people as the sun is 93 million miles away, so it's impossible for clouds to be behind it. Some people take this as evidence that the reality is an illusion or the earth is flat. Hey, But what's really going on here? Basically, the sun is really, really bright. So bright that in most photos and videos, it just appears as something at the maximum brightness the camera can handle. So, just appears as flat white. There's something in front of that's transparent enough to be let through a lot of the sunlight, then that bit will be less bright. But still higher than the maximum brightness the camera can handle. So the camera will still see it as the same as the rest of the sun, bright white. This creates the illusion that the partially transparent objects go behind the sun. The upper cloud that goes behind the sun is transparent, so the sun shines through it. Does that make sense to you? No? Not buying it? No, I'm not. Because this this video I saw, it was pretty cloudy that day. There were a lot okay. of clouds. So it showed clouds going in front and behind at the same time. So if the sun was that bright, Which it is. Wouldn't, you wouldn't see stuff going behind and in front at the same time. It was almost as if the sun... Like the clouds were just going through, you know what I mean? Like the sun was traveling through the clouds. This was years ago. I'm telling you, man, this video, <laughs> uh, I, can't, I can't remember what it, what it is. 
But yeah, so the, I mean, they think that the sun is very small and it travels around the flat earth similar to a record needle. So if we could if we could explain in words the the flat earth map. So what we know as the north pole, what we know as the arctic on a round earth, the globe earth is the center of the flat earth, right? Right. What we know as the north pole is the center of the flat earth. And then everything else just kind of radiates out. If you can draw everything out from the center of that. Yeah, it's they call it the AE map. AE map. Yeah, and I'm trying... So basically, if you look up the United Nations symbol, that's what Flat Earth looks like. And what they say is the sun and the moon are on opposite sides of that, and they travel around the circle of the Flat Earth. Yeah, like, uh, so this is kind of interesting. Like a yin yang. Oh. They they think, they say that the ancient, what is it, ancient Chinese, I guess, right? Yeah. They were aware of this, and the yin yang is that. Interesting. Yeah. The light and the dark, and the dark and the light. But the problem with that is there's a couple problems with that. How can everything that we know right now is at any at any point during a day, half of the earth is in light, some kind of light, and half of the earth is in dark. If the sun and the moon are traveling like that above a flat earth situation, how can the light from the sun just terminate down the middle of it? What do you mean? If you're shining a light down, if you have one little light source over um Oh, okay. So it, over it, over a circle, over a plate. Mm-hmm. If you got one light source shining down on one spot, it's still going to disperse over most of that flat surface area. Right. If it's just spinning around that that area, it's still going to disperse over most of it. It's not just going to stop in one part of it. No, but eventually it will stop. Yeah, if eventually it will it will stop. So, so you got to think the sun is only 33 miles wide. So okay. a lot of the world is getting sunlight a lot more than 33 miles. Right. So then it's circling around, uh-huh. and then it the sunlight gradually dims, just like it would on a flat surface with a flashlight. The further out it gets, it gradually dims, and then it's night. I guess if the light is shining directly down, and if the light is close enough, as long as the light's not shining all directions like the sun does, if it's a if it's a beam, I guess it'll be it would if it's a circular beam, it would be around a certain area. Mm-hmm. It could be like like a flashlight instead of like you said instead of shining everywhere all at once. Yeah. it could be directing it down. But light is not that sharp. It, we don't go from there's not a light and then darkness right behind it. It does not just a straight line of light dark. Because if you take a flashlight, if you get it close enough and it's a direct beam enough, then yeah, you can see a circular. You can see the edge of the light where it's not it's not shining on the rest of the object. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I have a flashlight that. So it disperses I, through the atmosphere. If I'm close to the wall, it's a small yeah. circle. The yeah, it's further a, it's a away sharp, I get. It's sharp light to dark. You know what I mean? You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah. I, I, okay, I got you. If it's close enough, that's what it'll that's what it'll look like. But if it, I guess if it it could disperse through the atmosphere like like water. I guess if the yeah. atmosphere is made out of water, it'll disperse enough. But then that doesn't that doesn't help with the idea that still half of the Earth is in darkness. 
if it's dispersing that much over that much territory and it's not light to dark, a sharp line of light to dark, and it's dispersing, it's going to disperse everywhere. So there's going to be a little bit of light everywhere except for the far reaches where on the opposite end of where the light source is. <laughs> it, it, light doesn't just cut off like that. And then I guess uh, – I mean I have flashlights where it does. I have I mean, LED flashlights where no matter how far away I am, it's a perfect sharp, it's sharp. A perfect sharp circle. Yeah. Okay. I guess if the technology is there enough to <laughs> create a, a massive – place like this they know how light works i mean they know uh, how to direct it obviously a nat a, a normal halogen bulb is gonna disperse kind of crazy not sharp right but i have i mean led i mean look at led headlights you know projector headlights even when they shine there's a straight line across true but then i guess so part of it is a sharp light and part of it's not because you don't because you don't just you can't just travel with the light, you know what I mean? You can't just be at the edge of light. It works with clouds sometimes. Like if you're just standing outside, you can see the cloud. When it goes in front of the, the sun, you can just see the cloud move across the, the land if you're at a high enough elevation. But the light still disperse. That's why we have twilight and we have dusk because the light is gradually coming into the area. It's not a sharpness of light to dark. That's yeah, a so, I mean, who's to say it? It can't be a halogen bulb then because you're saying it disperses it gradually. You shine it down on the surface. Everything – you got your focus beam, but then stuff around is still getting a little bit of light, and then eventually you got no light. So maybe right. the things that are getting a little bit of light are twilight and dusk. <laughs> is it, so it just disperses out. So when the sun is coming back around to our area, we're getting that little bit of light coming in. That's dawn. Then the sun is directly overhead. Noon, as it goes away, we're starting to get the like the edge of that beam. Okay. What does that do for the middle then, the Arctic area? Are you talking about like there are 24 hours of sun and this and that? Well, there's that, but half of the Earth is dark and half of it is in the light somehow. Whether it's a lot of light or a little bit of light, whether it's dawn or or dusk there's a there's a gradualness if you're on the globe earth there's a gradualness going around it but on a flat earth but the the globe earth the gradualness will stop at the peak of the pole right because there's the axial tilt so then the the sunlight will have so much light for so much of that space but then on the other side of that of the pole of the north pole it's all dark. Yeah. It's just straight darkness. So how does – in a flat earth model, how does the light just stop there? It can't just stop there because it's not, it's not dispersed around that that point, right? Not not as much. Well, maybe it doesn't. I mean – In a flat earth model? Yeah. I mean you looked at the flat earth map, right? Yeah. So the North Pole area, there's nothing there. So – Maybe it goes into that area a little bit. I guess Alaska and Russia are really close still in that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know, Will. I don't know either. Okay, I, I found a GIF that is... Cool. It shows the sun and the moon moving? Yeah. Okay. I've seen... I know I've seen videos of what they think the sun and moon do. Yeah, I sent you the link. 
going to scroll down a bit to find it. But that doesn't, that model there, the middle of that sun, the, the rays, yeah. it's not always centered. The, um, the spinning of the sun on that model shows the rays kind of overlapping uh, a certain part sometimes. It's sort of, it's just going around the circle, but it's not at the very center all the time. It doesn't just cut off at the very center. Are you looking at it? Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I'm trying to, because it looks like where it's at now, that would be our winter, right? And that model? That's that's the way I'm taking it, because it's further south. It's further towards, yeah, because it's going right near Australia. Right. So, yeah, so that's a problem, <laughs> because it would be our winter, and it looks like the North Pole is getting sun 24 hours a day. Did you watch right, the North Pole? Yeah. So the North Pole is getting sun 24 hours a day now. Oh, but I guess it's not. It, it, I guess it could go further south because it looks like Antarctica is getting 24 hours of dark. Well, listen to this. This is right under that gif. The diameter of these sun circles governs the seasons. According to one popular theory, the sun circles closest to the North Pole in June then spends the next six months spiraling slowly outward toward the ice wall at the edge of the world. In, in December, the sun reverses course and spirals back inward again. During the spring and autumn equinoxes, the sun circles in a perfect loop around the equator, casting light on half the disk world at any given time. Voila! Seasons. Yeah, I knew that's how they explain season, that it kind of works like a record player. You know, you put it down, it slowly moves in, you know what I mean? What's a record? Well, some people know. <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about. So it'll it'll move in for for the I guess for the central. Six. It'll move in for the central summer, and then it'll move out for the outer summer. Because Australia, compared to us, isn't Australia moving into summer now? Yeah, and we're slowly moving into winter. Right. So the sun is on a flat Earth is now moving towards antarctica right so then that would put the north the center of the flat earth and more darkness for longer yeah <laughs> all right well, this but how does that explain why we get less sunlight in the winter yeah because that model's not going out that far that yeah, sun's that, not going out that far so according to that that wouldn't change our sunlight at all not drastically, no. We would just be colder because the sun and the heat aren't directly over us anymore. Is that where we get heat in the flat Earth model? If the sun is only 33 miles wide and it's only so far up, are we really getting that much heat from that sun? I I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's climate controlled. <laughs> you know, maybe we got some AC. We got a heater. <laughs> a lot of AC. Mark Sargent thinks that this is all a giant machine. Everything's a machine. We just happen to be the bugs that are living on it. Well, the Earth is a giant machine. So tides are controlled underground, not by the moon, because the moon is far too small. Okay. Uh, volcanoes, the magma that shoots up, that they're just it's just vents. Okay. Um, oh, there's another one I was going to say. Now I can't remember. Damn it. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so he thinks it's all a machine. He thinks, I mean, essentially he thinks it was made for us. It's like a a terrarium or whatever. 
all this stuff works to make life possible. I mean, it is pretty damn good for mammal life. It's life pretty period. Yeah, it's pretty perfect for life. And space is not. Of what we know of space, space is not for life. Space. <laughs> you fool. Space. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of space, he did bring up a point that I had never, ever heard of. And now I'm like, whoa. The moon's craters. Yeah. They're all 90 degree impacts. Have you ever noticed that? Are they? The, yeah. They all are like pff, circles. Pff, circle. Pff, circle. There's that would mean to... it, would have to, it would have to be a 90 degree impact. There's nothing coming in cockeyed. If it hit it at 45 degrees, that's not going to be a circle crater. It's going to be like a blown out. Where are they at? They're not there <laughs> because it's not real. <laughs> He's got it all covered, doesn't he? I mean, seriously, though, I'm not saying the Earth's flat. I'm not saying the moon is fake. Why the hell are all the craters 90-degree impacts? That makes no sense at all. <laughs> I got to find out. I mean, you can l just look at the craters. They're all circles. Yeah, they are. And Why? From, from what we can see. I mean, logically, that's got to be impossible, right? For every single one of them to be the same kind of impact. A direct 90-degree angle hit. Head on. Mm. Nothing. You're telling me nothing came in at an angle. Literally nothing. You're right. Why? Is it because... I don't know. The Earth is not flat. It's still a globe, and the moon is a alien spaceship? Is it because the Earth is flat? They just made the moon a projection <laughs> and... You know, yeah. When When I heard him say that, I was like, what? I never thought of that. It's totally true. Unless, maybe, and we might hear about this from a scientist or whatever. Not Hopefully. us, personally, because we're not that popular, but... I hope so. Um, maybe the ones that hit at, like, a 45-degree angle or whatever, they're just not as visible. Maybe the 90-degree impact ones create the biggest craters, and that's why it's so visible to us. Maybe because the, the gravity's lower? I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. But you that can't one, tell me no, every damn asteroid angle. hit it head on. I, that's a good one. That one I don't think that one can be easily explained away. Maybe. If a meteor hits the moon at a very shallow angle and just graces the surface, the crater may not be circular. In this case, the kinetic energy would be deposited over a larger area as opposed to being concentrated at a single point. The resulting crater, therefore, could be elongated and have a rod-like or teardrop shape that doesn't help <laughs> yeah because you don't see those on the moon no i mean maybe there's one here and there i don't know i didn't look i didn't look at every crater but the majority of them i would say 99 percent of them are head-on collisions circular that logically makes no sense <laughs> that can't be because think there's so many craters right so most of them were head-on no. The kinetic energy and the power with which the impactor hits the lunar surface is so high that the original shape of the impactor and the angle at which it strikes the surface become irrelevant in determining the shape of the resulting crater. Why? Yeah, I don't get that either. That's crazy. That one's crazy. Yeah. It doesn't prove flat Earth. No. But it proves something is weird there. Something has to be weird. Mm -hmm. Now, when the impactor makes contact with the surface, there is a rapid explosive release of its kinetic energy, most of which is abruptly deposited onto a single, relatively small area on the crust. 
There's quite similar. This is quite similar to the detonation of a powerful explosive. So I guess the holes that we can see from the earth are the ones that are big enough that have caused something more than just um, a golf ball hitting this sand pit. So it comes in, it's coming in hot. So it hits the impact area and blows out. So none of the angle of the trajectory is known because when it hits, it explodes. Okay. Is that, I mean, that's one explanation potentially. But none of them hit and skid. You know what I mean? Like, right. They all explode or they're all 90 degree. I don't, it's possible. It's very possible. I'm just too dumb to understand this. Actually, that's highly likely. (laughs) All right. Maybe we'll talk about one more thing and then you want to end it? Yeah. Unless you have other stuff. There's How about, a lot of stuff. There is a but, ton of stuff. But we can't get into it. Maybe we'll reach out to Mark Sargent one day. He'll do an interview with us. Oh, boy. And he'll, he'll, he'll set us straight. How great would that be? <laughs> we'll, we'll tag him in this when we share it on Twitter and see what he thinks. Sure, why not? How about the eclipse? Did you dig into that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, a little bit. I didn't really get a lot of answers other I, than it's... I watched a video, and it's... Um, the way it is explained that the shadow of the moon is smaller than the moon. Because I try to figure this out. When I first heard somebody say that, I'm like, oh, my God, that that's it. I can't. That's it. I can't, there's no that's the answer. It's smaller. Something's not right. Yeah. And I try to recreate it with some of the kids toys. I'm like, oh, so I got a small ball and I got a big ball and. Put light source there. I'm like, how does it ever become? Can a shadow ever become smaller than the object? Like, how does? No, it can't. But the way it is explained by this by one scientist is the sun is so far and so big behind the moon that what what happens is the the light is cast. What we see in that one spot where it's total darkness. 100 miles but the moon is 300 miles wide i think so something like that let's go with it the moon is 300 miles wide and then the shadow is only 100 miles wide um what happens is the sun is so big that it's still casting light out around the moon and it's there's still light visible around the moon so that's why we're getting a smaller shadow because the light source is so big and the light rays are coming from all directions does that help yeah, I could buy that because, I mean, when you see an eclipse, you still see the ring of light around the moon. Right. That's Although from the, y- your perspective, mm-hmm. from where you're standing, where you are. Yeah. That doesn't mean that the moon is appearing to be bigger than the sun. It just means where you're standing, you're only in the total darkness. But the light source is still much, much bigger than that, than the object. But... To go back to your argument about the flat Earth sun. When does that in, happen? Hmm? Can that happen in a flat Earth model? Well, I think it's, according to them, it's all a show. It's just mm. made up. Not, I mean, they really happen, but they're just, they don't think they're fake is what I'm getting at. They, they think that it's uh, all... Engineered. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say CGI, but... <laughs> it's engineered. Um... But yeah, so an eclipse, if the moon's shadow is smaller than it should be, or whatever. Yeah. Because the rays from the sun are going, kind of wrapping around the moon. 
Yeah, the why light is the source moon... is so much bigger, and it, the light's going in all directions at one time. Yeah, so why is the moon's shadow so sharp? It's not. Is it not? No, it's still it's still dispersed. Okay. It's not that sharp. It's um, damn it, what's the term? The penumbra or the umbra? I don't know. Mm. I guess what I'm thinking of are just graphics showing where you're gonna see the full eclipse. So I get. Uh, listen to this. This is uh, on on the Reddit. Explain like I'm five. And somebody asked, why is the shadow of the moon cast on Earth smaller than the moon itself, and why can't we replicate that on a smaller scale? It is trivial to replicate. The only requirement is that the light source is larger than the object that creates the shadow. You can use any fluorescent tube light you have at home to do that. The sun and the moon have the same apparent size in the sky, but the sun is many times larger than the moon it is at just at a greater distance. There are two types of shadows in a solar eclipse on Earth. The umbra and the penumbra. The umbra is where all the light from the sun is blocked out and it can be smaller than the moon. The penumbra is where some light is blocked out from the moon and it is larger than the moon. You see the same effect when you create a shadow at home with a large light source like a fluorescent tube light. The umbra will be smaller than the object, but the penumbra will be larger. How large part of the penumbra the umbra is depend on the relative size of the object and the source of light and the distances. The smaller the light source, the larger the umbra is. If the light is a point source, the the both if the light is a point source, both is the same size. You can in many situations consider a regular lamp a point source and then the umbra will always be larger than the object. Isn't that clear as mud or what? Yeah. I mean I'm sure some people understood that. So I must be four. <laughs> because <laughs> explain like I'm a fetus. <laughs> There's a pretty cool graphic here. I think I'll save that so we can share that. The orbit of the Earth and the penumbra and the umbra, blah 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 blah. Well, got anything else? We've been at this for a while. I mean, do, I do. There's lots, but yeah, I I just I don't think we can really get into all of it. Like this this would be like a five part video. Yeah, I know? mean, Mark Sargent's book was what. Ten chapters or something? I mean, it was like a six-hour listen. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was a while. I mean, he's he's on YouTube. He on his videos, he even gives out his phone number and email address. Oh yeah, you can get get a hold of him for sure. Yeah, I I really thought about contacting him to try to. Let's do it. Go ahead. I think we should. Yeah, but I we should I. I wish we would have done it before we did this episode. Oh, well. I mean, there's still so much we could talk about. Yeah, we could always dive back into this and just be like, Flat Earth Part 2, interview <laughs> Mark Sargent. Yeah, exactly. That we didn't even scratch the surface of this shit. No, not at all. There's still so many questions to be asked, and there's still so many answers that we don't even have the questions for. Yeah. So where do you stand, Will? Is it flat? <laughs> or is it a globe? We can't say it's round, because round could be a flat object, like a frisbee. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still going to think globe. All my all my thoughts are still going globe. It did take you. I mean, it took a little while for you to say that, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I'm still going globe. How about you? I I don't know, man. It's, it's tough, because all these things, they... I want the big experiments. My I think my biggest issue is, I don't... I don't fucking trust the government. <laughs> you know? 
and NASA hasn't been around that long. And just because they tell me it's a globe, just because scientists tell me it's a globe, I have to believe them. Winners then aren't they are the they... ones who said cocaine was good for you back in the day? Yeah. Cigarettes are okay. Did you see cough syrup in the early twentieth century? Exactly. <laughs> they said all this. They said all this shit, and now they're going back on it. Who's to say they're not wrong about this? Yeah, yeah. And it, now, now it's a pride thing. Could yeah, be. if they found out they're wrong, are they going to say anything? Probably not. No. Because why would they? Not at this point. Oops. I mean, things are working fine now. Why stir up the pot and tell everyone, yeah, we messed up. We think it is flat. Because <laughs> then, what? Then NASA gets shut down. Then uh, astrophysics, all those programs are gone. All those careers you know are gone. How, yeah, I was going to say, do you know how many people would be unemployed yeah, if those things shut down? They won't do it. They'll never say, even if they find – which allegedly they did find out back in the – when they did the treaty, and that's when all this shit started happening. Mm. But if – that's why they won't tell us, if it's true. I'm not saying it's true <laughs> because I, I just don't know. I, I want definitive answers. And I don't think it's going to happen. It's never, never going to happen. The only way it's going to happen is if the flat earthers all get together, get all their money, get some very rich people backing them, and go up and look for themselves. Go on a commercial space flight. There's a couple There's a couple industries working on that. And I think Virgin was working on that for a while. Did you see that? Yeah. The, the flight that will go up to the very edge of space and then... You go up so high, then it's a shorter amount of time to get down to the next your destination. Yeah, we'll just take them to the moon if the moon's there. <laughs> you know, like I think they they need to go up there. I mean, like even Mark Sargent said, like if you want to prove to me this shit's real, just strap a 4K camera onto the nose of the rocket or whatever, and don't cut the feed. Yeah, from yeah, launch to land. But yeah, they take- won't, they. They can't do it, or they won't do it, or whatever. Take it all the way. Yeah. So why won't they? Is it because they've never been? (laughs) Because every launch you see, it launches up and then angles and then goes out. Well, that is explained because you're trying to get away from the gravity well. Yeah. It goes at an angle because the Earth is – the way the Earth is spinning, they launch out the opposite direction so they can get away from the, the gravity well. Right, you gotta but go it also than... it also makes sense in a flat Earth <laughs> to get out of the gravity well. No, that they launch up and then go at an angle so they don't hit the dome, and then they just crash that thing out in the ocean. <laughs> and then the, the video starts rolling. <laughs> the fake video, the CGI, <laughs> the movie. All right, yeah, you're right. They could take a camera, strap it to the rocket, and. Would it really be that expensive just to take a satellite? You're just launching a satellite up. It's not going to take a whole hell of a lot of effort to launch something small up with an action cam attached to it and launch it at the moon to make it go around the moon. There's no reason with without cutting the feed. It would just need it would just need the power. It would just need the power for the camera to just keep on rolling to take it out. Beyond the moon takes what? It's the moon is two hundred thirty-five thousand to two hundred fifty thousand miles away. And then it would take what? 
I didn't it take the astronauts three days to get there or something. Three days, yeah. So it would take four days to go around to the other side of the moon. Take four days to get back. I we think could probably I'd, do it quicker now. Yeah, probably. But I think I would drink all the caffeine to watch that. Yeah, I would want to see it start to finish. No I, cuts. No cuts. How about how about multiple cameras so that you can see w- where it's going towards the moon and then out so you can see the so the Earth just like a 3D camera. Why not a 3D camera so you can just pan around it? Well, That's a thing. Because they don't want you seeing all that. Because what happens when they want to cut the feed to one because a UFO passed by? Just like we need to know. the ISS. We need to know. They, they'll never do it. We've had, we had one picture of the Earth for how many years? One picture. That blue marble shot. You're Supposedly, telling me we went to the moon, we took one effing picture? One real. picture? <laughs> of the Earth? Come on. We could do better than that. Yeah, this is it's a crazy subject and one that I guarantee you I'll still continue to research even after this podcast after this episode's over because yeah, it'll come up. It's it's interesting, man. <laughs> so you're you're landing on you're you're a glober. Yeah, I think my vocabulary is still going to stick with globe whenever I talk about anything involving the earth body. Yeah, mine probably will too, although I am very intrigued. I'll just leave it at that, and we <laughs> will hit up Mark Sargent and see if we can get him on here. Boy, that would be crazy. That would be great. That would be fun. I, w- I would love that. I, I'd i talk to him. You have? I, I would love to talk to him. Oh. I thought you said I've talked to him, and I'm like, what? I'm just now hearing about this? <laughs> all right, I just uh, don't want hostilities is my thing. We are all curious. Let's just not fight about the curiosity. I don't think he wants hostility either. I just want to see these experiments that he's been talking about happen. I mean, you can you can go on YouTube and see all these things. <laughs> well, they can be doctored too. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. But I think we're going to end it. Yeah, I mean, we can just keep sitting here saying, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and people are like, what the hell am I listening to? We're going to do a super cut of I don't knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be 45 minutes of I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> It's all, I don't know, and that's weird. This is so <laughs> weird. <laughs> all right. Hey, patreon.com slash bring on the weird. Yep. Do it. Now. Uh-oh. Please. That's hostile. Please. God, hey, man, there, there's stuff in it for you. Five bucks a month, and you get eight uh, ad-free episodes. Plus four of them aren't in the regular feed, so there you go. And where else are we? Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, AIM. <laughs> ICQ. I mean, honestly, we're all over the place. We're yeah, not on we're Snapchat because we don't give a sh about that. Nope. Uh, Reddit. Reddit.com slash Weird. I uh, forgot we're on Reddit. We have both a um, a regular user Reddit and we have a subreddit. We have oh, a YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. We're putting up the clips of the episodes if you just want to. Hear the first five minutes of them. Or you could just come listen to the first five minutes wherever you listen to your podcast, and then we get credit for a listen. Hey, no, <laughs> if you only want five minutes of it, just listen to five minutes on Spotify <laughs> or Apple or whatever. Yeah, pretty much all the platforms. Think of one, and we're there. Yeah. All right. Stay weird, world. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>